0: All right. It's episode 35. Pain points of wealth and the news in plain sight today. We're going to talk about everything going on around the globe. That's people spending. Americans love to spend, but so does the rest of the world. We're seeing people spending money everywhere. Inflation continues to kick in, just like we told you. And we're looking at economic growth at the end of the year. That's just going to blow your mind. So how do you play it? How do you position your portfolio? You've got Coinbase going public, Bitcoin, crypto going crazy and the world is going crazy, but we're going to break it down for you, give you some common sense advice today. And on the tipping point, we're going to talk about procrastination. How do you procrastinate when it comes to your finances? Well, we're going to call you out on it. We're going to tell you how to get on top of those finances, get yourself financially independent, get on the right track. Let's get it going. Start the
1: music. It's going to be a great show. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod. Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between.
2: Hey, right, the global consumer spending machine is in full gear. Who'd have thunk? The government gave money to everybody. Everybody was locked down. And then all of a sudden, people are spending like drunken sailors. Wow, what a
0: shock. Well, I just love economists, though, like, whoa, we don't know if spending's gonna come back again. You know, people are gonna be more cautious. We're not quite sure that the consumer is gonna spend again. It's like, come on, <laughs> it's human nature. We love to spend money. And what's really actually interesting about it is. We saw the big French conglomerate that specializes in luxury goods, LVMH, which owns brands like Louis Vuitton. Their sales were up 86% because they're selling tons of stuff to the Chinese, the Americans. Chris and I were just on a plane down to Florida. Everyone's got a Louis Vuitton bag. God, people love to spend.
2: Hey, Ryan, you got to get out of New York and get down to Philly. I I don't know if you looked in Chris's closet lately, but it's loaded with Louis Vuitton. Of course, they're selling a lot of goods. I mean, I think the increases for the sales for the quarter were Chris alone.
3: Yeah, that's right. I've been taking my stimulus and spending it on valuable things like Louis Vuitton bags and luxury goods for Louisa and myself. But I'll tell you what, guys, Ryan and I are down in Florida this week, and it's almost like COVID never existed here. Everybody's out. Nobody's wearing masks. The bars are open. The restaurants are open. The clubs are open. And Ryan and I were out to dinner last night, and the prices are just ridiculous. So if people think that it's going to be a long time before the economy starts to reopen and things are get back to normal, just take a look at Florida because clearly, Things are wide open here, and things are definitely on the mend.
0: Yeah, what's crazy about it is that you even forget, and I probably shouldn't say this, but you're going into a place where no one's wearing masks, you're sitting down, you're eating, and it's almost like COVID never happened. And I just can imagine when the rest of the world starts to open up and people start to put their masks away because they're inoculated, how quickly they're going to forget that COVID even existed. And I think that is just going to be another driving force for people to go out there and live and just go crazy. Hey guys, you know I don't know why
2: you're surprised. I mean, everybody knows that where people are spending like crazy on Amazon, but everybody's waiting to get out. But guess what? Like you saw in Miami, they're already out. Retailers, bars, restaurants, their March sales were 17% higher than they were pre-pandemic. In other words, in
0: February of last year, the sales were lower than they are today. It's easy math to do because we have more money in our pocket today than we did before the pandemic started. When the government sprinkles something like $6 trillion down on the economy, that's going to have an astronomical effect on our ability to spend. And guys, the one thing we keep talking about week after week is what are companies doing? Because now they didn't anticipate all this demand from consumers wanting to buy around the world. So all of a sudden, their costs are going up because their supply chains have so much stress on them. So you're seeing companies like Procter & Gamble, they're raising their prices. Levi's, the jean company, they're raising their prices. Constellation Brands, which owns Corona, which maybe they should change the name of that beer. I don't know. They're raising their prices. And it's real simple. They raise their prices, their profits go up, but also our costs go up.
2: Well, there's a gigantic boom in financial assets, but there's also a big boom In real estate, you know, one of our clients is a real estate developer, home builder, built 40 homes last year, already has orders for 45 homes this year, but the prices are going up dramatically. One piece of lumber they were paying three bucks for is now
0: nine bucks. That's not double, that's triple, and people are paying the prices. Yeah, the average house now costs another $26,000 because of the lumber costs going up. That's insane. (laughs) You know, it's absolutely crazy. And you have the Fed chairman saying that inflation's transitory. We're not going to have a lot of inflation. Let's face it. You don't need to be an economist to realize prices are going to continue to go higher. And the crazy part is, and I've talked about this all the time, is business is not back to normal yet. We're not even back to normal business activity. Like, What is it going to look like at the end of the year when the world's fully open and demand just skyrockets and the supply chains are already screwed up? It's going to be nuts.
2: Oh, I think most companies will just shut down and say, "Why we don't want more business. Why would we want to charge the consumer more if it costs us more? Are you kidding me? CEOs are going crazy right now. They're out there pushing their Teams to go more and more and more and more, and what's going to happen is inflation's coming. Now, what I'm finding from a lot of the calls we get over the weekend from you know our radio show and from this podcast is very few of you are prepared for inflation. I don't see inflation hedge portfolios whatsoever out there, guys.
3: Yes, like right now, you know, there's still so much money in things like SPACs in technology, even in things like junk bonds, where you're getting six and a half percent but you're more likely for that bond to default.
2: Yeah, that bond's going to default. But I'll tell you what, the bonds that are really doing poorly right now are long-term treasury bonds. I uh, just sat down with a new client last week. Well, I actually sat down with them on Zoom because they're still not meeting in our offices. And they have a Vanguard government bond fund down 14% year to date. It's only April, guys.
0: It's crazy. And it, again, it's like common sense, right? Look, these companies that can raise their prices are going to make out like bandits here. And you have to ask yourself, you're the consumer. As a consumer, you're going to get screwed, for lack of a better way of putting it. Prices are going up. So you want to be the owner as well of companies that benefit the most from prices going up. And we talk about this again on our show every week. It's old school versus new school. Well, it's going to be old school companies that benefit the most from the fact that prices are going higher. Like I just mentioned companies like Levi, you know, companies like Procter & Gamble companies that have pricing power. And invariably, that's why owning stocks is one of the best inflation hedges you can possibly have. Because as prices go up, they benefit, you can benefit too, but you've got to be an owner of those companies.
3: Good point about being an owner, I was talking to one of my clients the other day, and he was complaining to me about the price of gas. And I said, well, look at it this way. I said, you own a portfolio of natural gas pipelines, oil and natural gas pipelines. That's done extraordinarily well this year. That's one of the best things that you've owned. I said, so pick your poison. I said, do you want to make money in your portfolio or do you want to pay at the pump?
2: Well, the whole idea, and I think what I'm hearing from you, is that stocks own real assets, right? So as the value of those underlying real assets go up in value, the stock goes up in value. Business is booming. As they do more business, their earnings go up. As they make more money, they pay more dividends. Oh, we have a terrific hedge against inflation. So equities are the core holding as an inflation hedge. But then there's also commodities. I don't see anyone owning commodities right now, except for our clients. And you also look at real estate. Real estate's going up. So you want to have real estate as a hedge in your portfolio. And you don't want to have bond funds. What I see every one of you owning right now are long dated bond funds down 13, 14% this year, and gold down ten percent. What a horrible combination, guys.
0: Well, I think the bottom line here is you want to own what we call productive assets. Like we talk about Bitcoin, we talk about cryptocurrencies. Now we've got Dogecoin, which produces nothing. Last time I looked, you need copper when you're building a house. I haven't figured out how to build a house out of Bitcoin yet, guys. I'm trying to figure it out, but it just doesn't seem to work. And that's what you have to think about common sense is what type of assets are actually productive in society. And that's the knock on gold as well. You know, gold looks great around the one you love, but it has very little economic use. And that's why gold is a horrible long-term investment. And that's why a lot of these fads, these trends, these quote unquote, you know, future technologies are at some point here just going to suck. Hey, Chris,
2: you know, that's why no one wants to hang out with Ryan. All he talks about are blue chip companies like Louis Vuitton, Levi Strauss, Procter Gamble, JP Morgan. You know, how come he's not talking about SPACs and crypto, all that sexy stuff that everybody's making a ton of money in? Or maybe not.
3: You know, Dad, for an almost millennial living in New York City, Ryan's pretty out of touch. You know, he just wants to buy these old school stocks that pay off things like dividends and make interest over time. What's wrong with you, right? Come on. Well,
2: the big news this week wasn't the big booming bull market in stocks. wasn't about inflation. wasn't about all the great earnings. By the way, the average company's beating earnings estimates by 20%. What happened this week is we had a gigantic bear market in SPACs. They got spanked and crypto collapsed over the weekend.
0: Get spanked by a SPAC. I like that. That's my favorite play on words. Yeah, clearly, at some point, markets get rational when they're irrational. And we're going to see more and more of that as the economy continues to get active again continues to reopen. As we go out, we spend more money because we love to spend money and the companies that benefit the most because I'm old school. I wish I was new school, but I'm old school or those old school companies they are going to be able to raise their pricing power. You've got to reposition your portfolio. The world's changing. You heard it here first. That's the kind of info we give you at pain points of wealth. Hey, Chris, I got a new name for your brother, Rational Rye. Rational Rye. I like it. Hey, I hope you're enjoying our podcast, Pain Points of Wealth. If you really like it, don't be shy. Click the like button. You can subscribe to our channel. You can have it delivered to your inbox every single week. And of course, I'm wittier than Bob and Chris, but don't let them know. Delude them. But please, subscribe to our podcast. All right, boys, it's the tipping point. We pinpoint the pain point. Of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E. Having the biggest impact on your wealth right now, so Bob and Chris, given that our firm, Paying Capital Management, now advises over 2,000 families when it comes to their finances, we see all the reasons you procrastinate when it comes to putting together a financial plan. So then we can explore some of those excuses and why it can be dangerous you know, not to address these issues and how you overcome procrastination when it comes to your finances.
3: Well, let's look at the first one. I don't know who to listen to. This one's legitimate because there's so much information out there from the internet, email, to the news media that essentially investors out there are getting fed like they're drinking from a
0: fire hose. Well, in a less PC era, Bob and I used to call it financial pornography (laughs) because there's just so much junk out there. And it's rightly so, right? I would be very discerning as well because it's like, who do you trust and that's why we put together our podcast frankly is because we know there's not a lot of good information out there and you know really you need to cut through a lot of the bs well first of all it starts with if you're going to have a financial goal if you're going to have a,
2: an actual investment strategy you know making money is not a goal you got to figure out why do i need to make money well maybe cuz you want to retire comfortably maybe you want to educate your children maybe you want to give money to charity so when you see these talking heads on the financial pornography channels and they're pitching a stock they don't know if you just got out of college or if you're retiring or if you're in your acquisition years or just distribution years. They don't care. You know, It's not about buying an investment. Like I always say, guys, are no good investments, are no bad investments.
0: What kind are there? Only ones that are appropriate for you, Bob. We've been hearing it for years. And I think this is also a great litmus test if you're going to sit down with a financial professional. And I always put that in quotes because most financial professionals are more like financial charlatans. And if they're just recommending products to you, if the person that's giving financial advice isn't starting with the plan first, isn't mapping out your goals first, to me, that's like the biggest red flag you can possibly have when you're looking to get advice on your finances.
2: Hey, guys, I was just talking to one of our clients the other day. And he said, Hey, Bob, I've been watching this commercial and this guy brags about being a fiduciary. What's the big deal? All you guys are fiduciaries. Boy, he couldn't be more wrong.
3: Yeah, that's completely not true. I mean, most financial advisors out there are not fiduciaries; they're mostly registered representatives. They represent the firms, not you as the investor.
2: Well, that's a tremendous conflict of interest, right? I mean, you know, why don't these firms want to be fiduciaries?
0: Because then they have to act in your best interests. That's simple. So yeah, so I think that's important. You know, to understand the discern between if it's a fiduciary or not. No, the reason they don't want to be fiduciaries is because simply they don't want to act in your best interest.
2: <laughs> it's plain and simple. That's true because there's a tremendous conflict of interest when you're a representative because there's some pressure on you from the company to sell what the company wants you to sell, not what the client most likely needs. So here's the problem: this is you know, Chris and I, you and I have seen this in like three or four of the cases we just worked on in a big booming bull market. Underperforming, poorly constructed portfolios are hiding in plain sight. So you think you made money that that was okay but you're not making the money you should be making. You're not getting the return you should be making with the risk you're taking.
0: That's the problem with bull markets. You think everybody's smart. The other reason I think we procrastinate is it's just so stressful dealing with financial stuff. It's like you have accounts over here, they're over here. You don't quite know what your expenses are. And all that stuff just seems like, man, oh man, I'll get to it someday. And I think it's one of those tasks that it's easy to push off and keep pushing off. And all of a sudden you blink and like five years have gone by in the meantime, there's probably so many things you could drill down on to make your life a lot less financially stressful.
3: It's a lot like dealing with your health and the fact that every year you should go for that annual physical, but you avoid it because you're afraid the doctor's going to tell you that something's wrong. Two, where the doctor's going to tell you that there's something wrong, but you know, the best part about it is that you can actually fix it. You can solve the problem. The problem is the longer you wait, the worse it gets.
2: Yeah, but you know, it all comes down to blaming your parents, like you guys blame me for everything. It's all our parents' fault because they taught us from birth: don't put all your eggs in one
0: basket. So we take it to heart, and what happens, guys? You get in both what we call that proverbial collection of investments. You've got money everywhere, and we have money everywhere. It's just much harder to keep a track of, and that's why I love the fact that we now that we have software, we have our three hundred and sixty financial portal, where like we can load everything in, we can take a look at someone's net worth at a bird's eye view, look at everything, see how it all works together, see how it all interplays with each other, and to me, that's one of the greatest innovations that we've had in the financial services industry is we have technology to really put this stuff together for us. We can make some sense out of this big mess of financial stuff that we have.
2: Chris, it's just like that case we worked on the other day. They had accounts everywhere and didn't realize, or maybe they didn't want to realize, that with $11 million, they had 44% in cash. They were shocked to find out they had that much in cash, but That's what happens when you have accounts spread all over the place. You only look at them one statement at a time. And that's if The mail even shows up these days.
0: Yeah. And then what happens is when you're sitting in cash, we know cash earns nothing right now, literally zero, zilch. So the more money you have sitting in cash earning nothing, we talk about this a lot, but you're losing against purchasing power over time. And you have to make sure your assets are being productive, that they're getting you to those goals. And I think the hardest part of any of this is because there's so much information out there. It's so overwhelming. You know, it's like chewing glass. Let's be real. Obviously, when you talk to Bob, Chris, or myself, it's really exciting and engaging because we're just so charismatic. But it is boring. It is dry. And you just, you're so overwhelmed. It's kind of like, where do I even start? You know, how do I even start the journey of becoming financially independent or planning for retirement or getting to retirement? It's just like, that's the big question I think we all have.
2: Well, that's the beauty of our 360 financial portal. It forces everybody to take that first step. Just answering a couple of questions. What's your name? What's your address? What's your phone number? And then you just take that information that you have on the internet and just plug in the password. Next thing you know, you're financially organized. It's just one step at a time, guys.
3: Well, you know what, guys? This is just a personal for me is I really didn't get financially organized until I became a financial advisor and started using the 360 portal. Now I look at my stuff every day and I have a sense of exactly where my money is and I know exactly where I want to go.
2: Well, you know, Chris, on a 360 financial portal, you can shut down the spending category and your mom blocked me on our portal. I'm just wondering if you could help me reopen it.
3: That I'd be happy to sit down and do a financial plan for you.
0: I'll charge you a discount since you're family. Again, it comes down to just getting started. You know That whole, quote, the journey of a thousand miles or something like that starts with the first step. And the first step is really just tallying up the assets that you have. And this is, again, why we have a job is because most people don't want to do this by themselves, is then starting to look at what you spend. Then when you're armed with that data, the sky's the limit. You know We can play what if. You can start looking at like, what if I retired a little bit early? What if I worked longer? What if I saved a little bit more? What impact does it have? And that's actually the fun part. There is a fun part to financial planning. And that's the part where you actually get to play what if. You get to dream a little bit and start looking at where you can be. If you make some tweaks and adjustments to your portfolio and to your time horizons, like that's the really good stuff. And that's the part that's actually fun for us too. Help you dream. And that's the whole point, guys. Absolutely no one plans to fail.
2: What we do is we fail to plan. And guess what? We're always taking more risks than necessary to achieve our goals. So there's nothing to be afraid of. Just get started. Take that first step. Your financial health depends on it.
0: Bob, Chris, and I have now spent a collective 70 years helping individuals just like you with their planning and investing. This is literally what we do every single day. Everything we teach you here on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially at any stage of your journey. But if you have over $500,000 and you want a more hands-on approach and guidance, and maybe you feel like you're not getting the advice that you need right now, you can apply for a free financial review. Simply go to www.paincm.com/financialplan financial plan or click the link below. We can put together a full audit of your investments all those hidden fees you're paying, tax optimization, and a complete savings and income plan to ensure you're on the right path to achieving financial independence. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. Hey, I hope you're enjoying episode 35 of Pain Points of Wealth. If you like our podcast, we've doubled our listenership in the last month, so thank you. Please help us get the good word out. Like the podcast if you actually like it. And don't be shy. Subscribe. You can have pain points of wealth delivered to your inbox every single week and get the sage wisdom of Bob, Chris, and I. Maybe more so from me, but you know we don't need to get into that. All right, gentlemen, the hidden facts of finance. Random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. Bob, if you invested $1,000 into the following investments on January 1st of this year you'd have this much as of April 16th. Tesla, your thousand dollars would have turned into $1,012. GameStop, you'd have nine grand. Bitcoin, your thousand would have turned into 2,000. And Dogecoin be worth $55,000. Man, oh man, we missed that investment. Well, we sure did,
2: Ryan. I will think I'll never own anything called dog coin. But the one message you have when you have this type of return in three months, it can go down just as fast as it went up, most likely faster.
3: Now, are you saying that Dogecoin might become a dog? That's for a whole nother podcast.
0: Chris, Coinbase, the cryptocurrency exchange, commanded an open day, public day market capitalization of over $85 billion. Dwarfing that of the NASDAQ exchange, where its direct listing took place on Wednesday, that's insane.
3: Dwarf is definitely the apt description for this situation. NASDAQ had a capitalization of $26 billion. So three times what the NASDAQ won is what Coinbase came in at.
0: It makes sense to me. I mean, you know, companies like Apple, Google, Microsoft, I mean, they should be worth less than Bitcoin. I mean, come on. Like, think about all the things you can do with Bitcoin. Wait a second. You can't do anything with Bitcoin. Never mind. Bad point. So, Bob, the US dollar is still 85% of all transactions in the 6.2 trillion a day foreign exchange market. The dollar still knows no rival. There's simply no compelling alternative. The Chinese yuan is not convertible. And its markets not sufficiently transparent to take on a significant role for all these cryptocurrencies. The dollar still rules, Bob. Hey, right. the reserve currency of the world is king dollar.
2: It never will be the Chinese yuan. First of all, China's economy is growing at 17% right now, the fastest on record. Now, of course, that's according to the Chinese government. And if you believe that, I have this ancient Chinese wall in the center of China
0: that I can get you a really good deal on. So give me a call. I'm selling shares. Chris, U.S. home building surged to nearly a 15-year high in March. Housing starts were expected to be up 13.5%, but came in at 19.4% plus. Wow. There's still an undersupply of new single-family homes as millennials increase household formation, and many employees are now able to work permanently from home. This supports a strong and sustainable housing market. Sounds like uh, the housing market's going to be strong for a long time, Chris.
3: Looks like the term home office is being redefined here.
0: Well, the other thing to think about too is everyone's talking about a housing bubble. Well, when we had a housing bubble back in 2008, 2009, the problem is we had an oversupply of houses. There's lots of vacant properties out there. That's not the same dynamic today, which means this could go on for a very long time. All right, gentlemen, amazing show today. Fantastic. If you like our podcast, you love it. We're doubling our subscribers. It's going crazy. Be part of the party. Subscribe to our podcast. Click on the like button put a comment in the comment sections below. We love the discourse when it comes to anything financially related. Have a great day. As always, stay loose and keep an open mind.
1: Thanks for listening to the Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management.